Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. This is an episode called Love Anxiety, and this is for Holly and Olivia. I hope you enjoy this. So this is all about the stress that you might feel as soon as you end up in a possibly good relationship. That clinginess that's painful, almost excruciating, and anxiety of not knowing the future and when it's going to end, if it's going to end. That It almost takes you out of enjoying it and experiencing it and getting to see what it could be because it's just the most distracting and obsessive kind of overthinking. Like it ruins your ability to be yourself during something that's supposed to be wonderful and fun. So if this sounds like you, know that there is nothing wrong with you. I was just like you. And you are among many. And this is not forever. So take heart. As usual, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Here we go, the what. Love anxiety. When you find you feel for someone and then as soon as you feel hopeful, you get that haunting, obsessive fear over everything. Logical outcomes, non-logical outcomes, almost to the point that you would rather it be over. It's like this torturous, obsessive kind of chronic overthinking and ambivalence that keeps you up at night and removes you from participation in your experiences. Maybe you forecast constantly and you analyze constantly too much, too soon, too fast. Like you can't just wait and see. It's too stressful. And maybe that's because you have a track record of coming on too strong, too fast, or being too intense and freaking people out. Or... Maybe you've been burned really badly. Regardless, it removes your ability to to actually be yourself and go with the flow. You might find yourself second-guessing everything they say and do and everything you say and do. And suddenly it's consumed your life. When are they going to call? What are they doing right now? What does that mean? Are they a bastard? Can I trust them? It's almost like something is over before it starts in that you have done so much narration and thought before you actually get to know the person so that when you see the person, you're actually layering on top of them all of these other equations you've been through. You might also set yourself up for failure, expecting the worst and desperately wanting the best but then almost trying to prepare yourself for the blow. So if that sounds like you, this one's for you. Part two, the why. 
Attraction chemicals are hard for everybody. They mimic the chemical processes of cocaine addiction. On top of that, there's the anxiety um, ingredient that makes it extra hard on you. And that can be from a different source depending on your personal background. But in broad terms, the overwhelming fear of getting hurt or of losing this thing that feels so good comes from a perception of lack. What lack breaks down to is loss or a feeling that it's never enough. And that feeling can come from a number of different sources, but I've got what I consider to be the, the main buckets. So the first one is from a childhood that possibly was love-starved. So when we originally start getting these feelings that we're going to lose things or we're never going to be able to keep things we want, it's often when you are not fully seen by a caregiver. Like we have to work really hard in order to get affection. So that just kind of sets up the baseline for constantly feeling like you're, something that makes you happy is, gonna, is threatened. Number two, trauma or experiences with loss like that really impacted you. So it resembles PTSD in that you can never fully feel safe. And something like att attachment or attraction can be a trigger for these really intense feelings of anxiety. So it's like it's your brain actually recalling when you felt like this before and then immediately warning you like, oh my God, this is dangerous. Alert, alert, alert. And that could also be the trauma of being cheated on or if you lost a parent suddenly. It doesn't have to be completely related to this person or this relationship. It just centers around how scary it is to feel that longing and that closeness. So I like to think of it like an old record is just put on the player that is inside your body. And your body is like, oh no, I know this song. Run! Number three, untreated depression and anxiety. So that's just regular old chemicals. Like it's just a chemical state that happens to be happening in your body. It could be just, you know, like, a la like an imbalance that's been created by working really late for months on end without enough exercise and sunshine. But you might interpret it as this is who I am and this is my life. When in reality... It just needs some attention. Just, you need to balance yourself out. I'm not saying that medication is necessary. I personally did not want to go on medication, but I think you can customize a, a cocktail of other things, and it's about fine-tuning it so that it's just right for you. It's, it's about getting the right chemicals to release in your body. If you are interested in learning more, um, I recommend the book Chemistry of Joy. And um, you can also head to yaywithme.com for the blog version probably in the next couple of weeks. I'll post it, and I can put a link to some other reading. Um, I notice that when I am in a uh, state of, like, anxiety or low, just low depression, that's when I have been not, like, really diligent about exercise or all the totally, you know, fine-tuned habits that I have that I've learned to do over just trial and error. So like things like meditation, things like breathing exercises, 
um, being in nature, all of those things, you'll have to figure out what exactly works for you and try a couple new ones out. Number four, perfectionism. So if you're a type A person or you have a, uh, a very hands-on managerial sense of self, then you likely have a habit of planning and controlling things. And this is usually a product of the role you played in your family when you were, um, you had to take care of shit. So it's the other side of the coin called powerlessness. So it starts because in, usually in childhood you have um, a, a terrible feeling of vulnerability and therefore it becomes a soothing, soothing habit, like being the one that takes over and manages things for everybody else. So the actual tendency of being a controller or a type A person comes with the opposite which is this intense fear of powerlessness. Intense, like, um, it's a trigger. When you are powerless over something like a relationship or the outcome of a relationship, it's because you are um, completely, it's like your old, old fear that's coming up. Like, I need to be able to control this and I can't. So hope that made sense. So on top of anxiety, there is the suffering that comes from the actual mental state um, itself of being, if you are a type of person that has an intense version of feeling overwhelmed or, or anxious, a lot of people just have kind of like middles and, you know, like a medium high setting. But if you find that you are unable to soothe from the intensity of your like physical reaction to something like this, uh, like you're always stuck on the like high setting of anxiety, I recommend therapy. <laughs> Shocker. There's likely something simple that you can work through to bring yourself back to a state of calm and rational understanding. Like, for example, dialectical behavioral therapy. I learned about that on my episode, Therapy 101. I recommend if you are curious about more ways that you can customize tools to help yourself, um, check out that episode because it's all about different kinds of therapy. Long story short, if there's something that's hurting that like causes you a lot of pain, it's there is a solution that can be customized for you. I think it's a lot easier when you're doing it with a therapist because then you can talk through when it happens, how it happens, why it happens, and help yourself. With that, let's get to part three, the tools. So these are some, um, what I what comes to mind for me, if, if you were sitting with me, what I would tell you to do. So here's the thing. If you are with the right person, it won't matter that this anxiety exists. Literally, it will not matter. I mean, you can absolutely and should absolutely take steps to help yourself, but the right person will match you completely, including the experiences you have. Like, they'll fit you like a glove. There's a person that is just like you that's like, oh, my God, me too. So don't hate on yourself and feel like this is like a damning thing in any way. It's like it will become a thing that bonds you to the person you fall in love with. So you can look forward to that. All right, the tool, first tool, I think I have seven of these. Uh, yeah. 
So the first tool is called singing narration. So this is my horror movie tool. And that's because I find that if you are in the basement and there's like some sort of grandma demon that's like chained in the basement, a great way to not be scared, that was an Evil Dead 2 reference, it's a great way to not be scared is just to sing to yourself about not being scared of anything. So that's what I want you to do when it comes to being really freaked out um, about all of the crazy thoughts that are going through your head. And uh, I think you can, doesn't have to be sung, but I think you can narrate to a person when it's like intensely painful for you, like own it. Just like say it and be like, hi, I'm going feeling a little crazy. Just a heads up, my I have this thing where I get really anxious and then I start narrating stuff. So that just is some stuff that's happening for me, but I don't want to freak you out. Uh, just wanted to let you know, like, if I seem distracted, that's partly because just my brain's doing this thing. It doesn't have to be something that owns you. You can own it. And I think if you can narrate to somebody, especially if you really like them and things are going really well, you narrate to them honestly where you are in a way that does not demand anything of them. If you're just, like, doing it as a courtesy, like... I just wanted you to know where I am so that you can feel okay and good. That is like the best way to um, to let anybody know where you are, especially because you're not forcing them to do anything with the information. It's It's like as soon as you tell somebody something, you're asking them to react to it. And in general, if you say something that is negative about yourself, you're asking them to react in a way that can be like asking too much. And it can it can feel like you just handed them a pile of bricks. You know, like you just meet somebody on the first date and you're like, Hi, I I have really bad anxiety problems and um it's probably from my childhood. And like that's like you just handed someone like Hi, I'm ha- I'm having a great time, and this is so exciting to meet you. You just handed them like a pile of dirty laundry, and it doesn't feel loving or respectful or positive. It just feels like, all right, thanks for just shitting on me. So, sing your narration in a way that like is a gift. It's more of like heads up, just in case it helps you. This is where I'm at. I'm not asking anything of you. Just wanted to make sure you felt okay. Let everything come from that place. Um, it's the first one. Second tool, the five dates rule. I should have put this one first, probably. So let's pretend that this is the other order. Okay, so let's, this is the five dates rule. Alternately, you can go for one month, the one month rule. That's totally arbitrary, but this is just my opinion. The tool is really about allowing yourself and, uh, this other person to have an experience that has a sole purpose of getting to know a person as your best self and kind of presenting that self in a way that allows them to really meet you. Because ultimately, every person will make a decision about, you know, whether or not this is the right relationship for them. And you can't control that and you shouldn't control that. It's just something that exists and will happen regardless. So you don't have to control someone else's Um, experience of who you are in your best self. And all you have to do is 
is kind of offer up the greatest gift you have to give and let them meet that person. So dating is just for trying on this other stranger, seeing if you like each other and gifting your best selves. So let it just be for that. Just dating is just for that. So you will get to the reality part of things later on if it's a fit. But for the first month, that is off the table. All you're supposed to do is be like, hi, I'm awesome. This is my shiny self. Let me see your shiny self. Cool. I love that self. Let's celebrate. Let's do fun stuff. So if you don't do that, you're asking them to do some work for you. It's like, hi, here's my shiny self. Also, I have all this baggage and stuff. It's like you're asking somebody to make sense of it, and that's unfair to ask of a stranger. It's complicated. It's confusing as a message. Just the action in itself is a very confusing message. Like, what are you telling me to go away? Are you telling me you're going to fuck me over? What is that supposed to mean? So don't ask that of a person you like. Just keep it to what is important. Who are you as a human being? What gifts you have to offer? What makes your soul sing? What cool things have you done? What makes you special and wonderful? Think of it like an interview. What goes on that resume? It should be what makes you a singular and special soul. So allow yourselves just to get to know who you are. That is not a personality definer. That is just a thing that chemically happens to you. You are beyond that. So don't think of it as like you're placing a burden on a person and that is not supportive or kind. It's like you're challenging them. Number three, consult the writer's room. This is dedicated to my friend Alicia. So if you can't access your highest thinking, I know that the actual anxiety can really confuse and, and cloud your, your ability to think logically and express yourself as like a normal, rational human being. So, and that's true for everybody, especially in relationships. So I would suggest borrowing the brain of a friend or several friends and literally let them do the speaking for you. They know you. They know your tone of voice. It's not dishonest because it's just about, it's almost like using a translator if you're intoxicated, like, I can't, what does that say? Like, that's kind of what you're doing, but you're doing it for your anxiety. I don't know why people would need a translator if they're intoxicated. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, so most people I know do this when they're dating. They have like a team of friends, aka writers, that help them out when they are in the courtship phase because that's when it's really important to act in your own best interests and you can't tell how you are perceived, especially when things are emotionally charged. So the truth isn't always, you know, it doesn't have to be like raw and fettered honesty. It can be, I, I believe courtship especially needs to be, um, you know, a it's a very like formal dance in a way. And it's up to you to make sure you're representing the right person to the to this other stranger. It's like this is a time when you have to really make sure you're putting the right, you know, signals out there. Um, and that, that's, I think, is a good thing. So it's like, it's, you know, it's same with a resume. You, sometimes you want help writing a resume. It doesn't mean that you're not that person. It just means, like, you want to craft the best version of yourself. 
when you get down to the core of every exchange, we all want love. We all want happiness. We want intimacy. And we want somebody that tries really hard and invests and is is worth in investing in. We want that sol- solid attached bond. So this is just in service of that goal. Don't overthink it. Just be aware of all of the reasons that things get miscommunicated or you can't understand how you misstepped. It's all very nuanced. And when it comes to emotions, sometimes we can't really see what we're doing. We can't see how things are being received. It's just about stacking the cards in your favor. Tool number four, brain transplant. So you know how fecal transplanting works? <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you. But this, this tool is going to stick in your head now, isn't it? So here's my logic. This is about brain transplanting. If you want to be a happier person that's more secure and stable in relationships, choose people in your life who are happy in stable, healthy relationships and model them. Do what they do. Borrow their practices and their motivations, how they talk to their significant other, use their tips, and act as if it was your instinct. Eventually, it will become you. But this is how you actively steer your life into the area you want to be in, in yourself. You don't have to let your anxiety become your self-definition. And you don't have to let it act on your behalf. It doesn't have to rule your life. You are much more than how you feel. You're more than your depression, your anxiety, your phobias, the whatever mental health things you've struggled with. You are not those things. They just have happened to you. So let your focus be on who you are as a separate thing. Like choose who you want that person to be. And keep this, whatever it is that you're suffering from, in its box, out of the way of you finding a positive relationship. What I mean is, know the parameters of your issues so that you can best manage them and don't allow them to rule your life. And this is actually how you traverse them and grow into more of the person you really are. You choose. You're selective. And you place a lot of energy and focus on learning new healthy actions. And that's who you are meant to be. It's in you. It's just not being expressed currently. So it's all personal growth and all kind of like letting go of shit is just being deliberate about how you act and not letting your issues puppet your mouth in like loops. You get to decide. So things like, you know, using soothing habits for any kind of, quote, attacks and not making decisions that, uh, you know, support or reinforce what you suffer from. Keep your focus on who you want to become. And it will, it will automatically start to kind of reaffirm itself. So this thing has to be um, treated aggressively. It is not you. It is a thing that happens to you. You are a positive, calm, confident person who deserves someone equally awesome. And you have your, who has their shit together, who has lived through a lot of stuff, who is working on themselves. Just think like your resume. 
what goes on this list. Whatever things you're trying to work on, target them and work on them. And don't decide in your mind that this is the sentence. This is my sentence, you know? All change is possible, no matter how long it has gone on for. I believe that a vigilion percent. That's right, I said a vigilion percent. All right, that's number four. Number five, mantras. The word mantra is kind of lame, and I know that. And if anybody has a replacement, tweet me. It bugs me, but it's the best term for what I want to offer you. So I know a lot of the issues you suffer from are things you are aware of, and you can't really talk yourself out of them while you're in them. So for that reason, I want to give you a few of my tools that I use so you can apply them in the moment. And that is literally just pausing to say something. It's like a slogan. I should call it slogans. Slogans. It's like it's pausing in the moment when you're suffering to say something to yourself as a reminder. It's like a truth reminder. So the first one I use, don't judge. Because it's kind of self-helpy. Let go and let God. And I don't like the word God either. I tend to cringe when I hear that word. No offense to anybody. But this one is actually an Al-Anon um, slogan that I got from my friend and boss, Lori Burns, founder of The Teen Project. If you are looking for a good charity, check out theteenproject.com. They won't spam you or send you junk mail. They will only send you awesome updates on the kids making it off the streets and into college. Anyway, this is a great slogan because, and you can reword it if you like, but it basically means let go and let it be. Like remember that you don't have any control because whatever is will be and all you have to do is step out of the way and remind yourself that you can't control it like and that's a great thing accept and embrace what is out of your control because it is a gift to not have to worry uh, like not have to plan the whole future of the world that is completely not your responsibility so immediately in the moment when you're starting to obsess or narrate that ambivalent loop Remind, remind yourself, let go and let God, let, let go and let the universe take over. Just worry about calming yourself and detaching from what is like keeping you stuck just in this little chemical loop. It's the first mantra. Second mantra, I am probably wrong. That one's mine. I'm probably wrong. Or you can also use assume the opposite. So this is a mantra for the moments that you are believing, you are reading the future or you are sure things are going to go to shit, or you're like, I know what's happening. As soon as you start to believe you are uh, predicting someone's actions, literally say it aloud. Tell yourself, I am probably wrong. Even if you don't believe it, just say it. Because what you will find is that you are right when you say that. You are, you're, every single time I've ever said this to myself, I've been stoked to realize I was wrong. And it's like, it'll be this thing that gets more and more comforting every time you use it. So if you start to be like, oh my God, I know what's happening. This means this, and they're doing this, and that's why they're, oh, I know. It's going to turn into, remind, just step back and say, I'm probably wrong. It's probably the opposite. And just wait and witness. We'll get stronger with time. Okay, the next mantra. Actually, this isn't really a mantra. Well, it's good. For me, it works like a mantra. So in the moment, of when you're starting to feel that like really intense pain of worry, like, oh my God, things are going to be terrible. Or like you find yourself like unable to stop worrying about something. The mantra is, 
Am I clinging or grasping? Ask yourself that question. And if you ask yourself that question, you'll probably say yes. And usually it's like basically what you want to do is name the underlying feeling. Because the underlying feeling is really simple. It's fear. So when you can notice it, am I clinging right now? Am I grasping right now? Yes, it is because I'm afraid and that hurts. As soon as you can name the feeling, you can like forgive it. It's not so powerful anymore and it stops bugging the fuck out of you. It's like it kind of dissipates it. So let go and let God. I'm probably wrong. Am I clinging or grasping? Those are my five. That's number five mantras or slogans. Number six, embrace the outcomes. I love this tool. I've offered it before, probably not too long ago. I, also, I often do custom visualizations for one-on-one clients because I use this tool in all situations. Basically, when you are in the throes of a new relationship and you're feeling anxious over what will be, go through a mental visualization of accepting and welcoming all possible outcomes, the good outcome and the bad outcome. Literally rehearse it in your mind and imagine yourself being like feeling that and being like, you know what? It's good. It's a gift. I don't know if anyone's doing the opposite gratitude challenge I posted, I think, 11 days ago. But this is exactly the same thing where you take whatever negative you're feeling and you find the positive in it. So, for example, let's say um, you went on a second date and you're like, oh, my God, I really, really like this person. Oh, I'm freaking out. You would visualize the person doesn't call you back for the, the next date. And, like, that's a good thing because it means you just got to skip an extra six months of wasted time feeling like this high and low, you know, series of, uh, like, you know, this roller coaster because it's clear now this is not the right person for you. And that's a great thing. It means you avoided all that pain. So mentally you would go through this experience, like visualize it as though it's happening, of you the next day, like being like, they're not calling back. And like, that means that they don't feel the same way about me. And like that, I'm okay with that. Really mentally imagine being okay with that and accept that that's like equally embrace that possible outcome and also the outcome of them calling. Welcome them both equally. Even if part of you doesn't feel that way, just say it and go through the practice of it. And what happens is it doesn't change the outcome, but it means that if the negative happens, you're so cool with it. Like you're so, it, it creates this like new muscle in you just via witnessing yourself being okay. Like you'll be like, wow, I'm actually so totally okay now. Whereas before you might be like, oh God why is it because I'm ugly? Like it takes the sting out in an amazing way. And when you get to a place when you are comfortable with somebody enough to know that they will have a reaction, you can deal with it, you know, like you can let go of analysis about, you know, what what you said or they said. It, It just becomes this way that like, you can form intimacy and closeness with somebody else without, without having to freak out about it. It's like that grows that ability in you. 
like you just via doing this practice all the time, you stop being so attached to somebody else's actions and you like realize like I am okay no matter what somebody else does. And you will start to feel like them opening up more to you just because it like you become this more confident, not needy person in the way that you act. It's like it inspires this like kind of admiration in in other people. Like you'll start to, like as soon as you've detached from needing them to do anything or say anything, all of a sudden they're like, hi, you're cool. I want to tell you more about myself. Like you give off a different energy. Number seven, baked from wholeness and love. <laughs> so I like to think of love and dating as like you're this freshly baked, perfect whole round of bread. This bread's so fucking good. But it's perfect unto itself. It doesn't cling or it doesn't lack. It's just perfect and crispy and it's got the nice, perfect crust. You are like that. You are a beautiful round you're warm, confident. You you need nothing. So that translates to um, always come from the whole place. Come from the I have everything to offer. I'm complete and I don't, I'm not asking anything of you. In every communication you make, remember you have this whole self. So what does this translate to? It means everything you ever say it should come from a place of wholeness and love, of not needing anything. It's like you give yourself as a gift. So give it, give like any emails, any texts you write, whatever it is, give yourself this like kind of filter. Where am I coming from? Am I coming from love or am I coming from hurt? Am I coming from wholeness or am I coming from neediness? As a rule, always come from whole and love. Come from that place regardless of the situation. Make every move from a place of self-acceptance and love and not fear or hurt. And that includes all emails, and I said that already, but check your motives because what you will see is people feel that you are, you know, this whole and genuine thing, and it's like they start to chase. They start to pursue. It's like the the person that demands something from somebody else or needs something from somebody else is compromised, is weak. The person that does not need anything from anyone else is very attractive because they have, they're happy, they're complete, they need nothing. It's like, I want to be around that person. They're like the, the shining star of dating. I hope that made sense. But like in general, so let's say somebody stops calling you back. You know, this is a way that you can come from wholeness and love. And it, maybe the person stopped calling you back and it was kind of abrupt and ghosts you and you're like, fuck, that sucks, man. You would not want to write an email from the that sucks man place. You would wait until you were like at peace with it in yourself. Do the work in yourself. Be like, all right, I, I accept this. It was not the match. And I want to like leave this in a good place. Come from love. So you might write an email that says, hey, I just want to let you know. I think you're an awesome person and like no hard feelings and I hope, you know, one day we cross paths as friends. That would be the whole person's response. And what happens is when you come from that place, you win. You conquer. You are untouched, unfettered. You rose above whatever they did. You're the big one. And that, it's like, it changes how you feel about yourself 
and it changes how everybody else feels about you. It's a great and amazing tool. Thanks, Sarah May. You're welcome, Sarah May. Okay, I digress. Um, those are my tools. So in general, just give people the benefit of the doubt and invest in the, the positive outcome and uh, let go of, you know, whatever that means. Just like if you always invest in putting your, yourself out there, it will pay off in the long run. But just invest in also giving somebody else the gift of the best you possible. Like you wouldn't want to dump your fears onto the person interviewing you for a job you really want. So don't make a stranger do that on a date. I would say my policy is honesty that is not selfish. It's like honesty that's respectful of, of people's capacities. So just wait until you have a chance to, to form a relationship before you put pressures on it. Um, and before I close, I wanted to say thank you to my latest sponsors, Karen, Olivia, and Emily. Emily, holy shitballs. You donated $100, and it, like, made my life. <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever... I can't even tell you. I'm so grateful. I can't even tell you. And if anybody else listening has benefited from this work, please consider donation. It really inspires me, and it, it helps me keep this afloat. So in closing, here's what's awesome. A good partner trains you to feel confident and okay. Like a good relationship actually heals the wounds you have from past experiences and from childhood, including all the voids you might currently suffer or um, traumas you've had. And that is by gifting you with proof of an opposite truth, one that makes you feel safe, secure, and trust that things are going to be great. And it just takes time. But that, that exists for a lot of people. There are healing relationships. And it's really vital that you find that partner and you don't put in all the work with somebody that's not meant for you. So don't, don't push yourself to hook up with somebody or, or bond with somebody immediately. Push yourself to take your time to do that part right. And know that if you are, you know, if you put yourself out there and you freak somebody out, it's not a bad thing. It's not like you fucked something up. It's not your fault. It just means it wasn't your one. So take that to heart and invest in yourself and invest in putting your best self forth and also be respectful with how what you ask others to do just imagine yourself as a spokesman for who you could be on your best day and make someone excited to to meet that person offer that as a gesture of kindness enthusiasm and love what is not safe for dating, does not have to take over your simple, good, fun courtship times. You get to choose to edit the information for others, and that's not a lie. It's not manipulation. It's just what you would do for anyone so that they can actually really experience you and get to know you. So if you know someone who could benefit from this, please share it because it helps me immensely. 
And if you want more of my writing, you can visit me at yaywithme.com and Sarah May B on Patreon. And uh, in closing, a podcast is a hard thing to push into the masses without help. So I would love it if you could take a moment to review me on iTunes or share this with a friend. And with that, remember, you are a full, round, delicious loaf of bread. (laughs) So warm and toasty. And you don't need anybody but the right person. So come from love, self-acceptance, and offer that gift without strings or expectations. Just let go, and I believe you will find love. Smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.